0: Hello and welcome to the Brookwood Church Ministries podcast. My name is David Wildman and I am one of the leaders in adult discipleship here at Brookwood Church. The message you are about to hear was given by David Wyatt and it was recorded at the men's connecting point at Brookwood Church. We pray this encourages you in your walk with Christ. want to thank you for having me tonight. It certainly is an honor um, to be here. And um, I guess uh, Jerry Seidel had asked me to, and Gary had asked me to do this talk, and I wasn't exactly sure um, how involved it was until Kristen said, hey, how about give me your questions? And and, uh, so I started looking a little more into this. I was like, you know, what is all this? And uh, and it's not something that I do all the time. And, uh, and so the, the name of this talk is, What Am I Doing Here? Because I was like, you know, what am I doing here? And so, um, you know, like I said, I am honored to be here, Connecting Point. As I learned about what this is about, it's, it's, it's uh, as I, I guess, have figured out, it's about members of the faith, Coming together to connect with each other, to encourage each other, um, you know, I, I did what I do, and I said, "All right, well, God, if you know, I believe that uh, things happen for a reason. You've invited me to speak to these people, so I prayed for all of you, not knowing who would be here, and for the message that He wanted me to uh, share with you guys tonight, and uh, and so, you know." First and foremost, I'm I'm here to, you know, I, I guess I'm keeping it real, and I'm here to encourage everybody. Um, relationships are paramount, as I've come to 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 learn. We are created in the image of of God, and the whole setup is for us to be able to have a relationship with our Creator, and of course. As the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God here is among us. It's within us, and so it's that relationship not only with our Creator, but with um, with each other. And uh, I will talk about a lot of the mentors in my life. Of course, my dad and my mom have have been teaching me on the path, and you know, my entire life. Sam Hunter is another great uh, mentor of mine. Many of you guys, I know some of y'all through Sam Hunter with 721 Ministries, and I of course spoke to Sam, and he gave me the okay to use some of his stuff. And uh, David Martin with Search Ministries is another uh, mentor of mine. But uh, when I think about Sam, he he always talks. He says, you know, we live in a God-saturated world, and. Um, you know, if we'll just open our eyes, we can see God all the time. And A.W. Tozer says that what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What do you think about when you think about God? You know, I, I think about, initially, you start thinking about God and and. And you feel like, at least in in my own experience, somewhat of a wet blanket might come in to play. It, there's a lot of different thoughts that might come, come about. God, who is God? You know, how do I relate to God? And of course, today I have I, I characterize myself not so much as a Christian because that word gets thrown around so many times. I see people saying they're Christians. Uh, it makes me uncomfortable. Um, I, I consider myself a follower. Of Jesus Christ I'm a follower of Jesus and so I've been trying to learn how do I follow Jesus and, and I do attend I love Brook, Brookwood Church I can remember coming to this church when you guys met right across from Malden High School and uh, it was a very small congregation back then I haven't been to this campus I mean it's amazing what the Holy Spirit has done here through you guys and what y'all are able to do in the community it really is exciting and it's encouraging for me to see. I, I, I go to Earl Street Baptist Church and one of the uh, men's groups there that they taught was this this talk about experiencing God which I think we're all trying to do here tonight and the, the speaker taught us God's always at work around you try to figure out what he's doing and then join in and, and do your part and so and tonight trying to figure out what are we going to talk about. um, It it became, I guess, evident to me that the Holy Spirit wanted me to talk about what does it look like to walk with the Holy Spirit? And so let me start, and and it's in your questions, but one of the sort of rate yourself, if you will, to evaluate. You know, Galatians 5.22 talks about the fruits of the Spirit, their love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And so if you were going to rate yourself from an A to an F, A being, hey, I'm full of love, it's overflowing from me, F being, I don't feel any love at all, you know, how would you rate yourself with each one of these um, fruits of the Spirit? Fruit obviously something that we ought to be able to see. If it's a fruit tree, should have some fruit on it. If we're walking in the spirit and and following this spirit, well, then I ought to have some of these uh, fruits evident in my life. And of course, this is one of the, um, I guess, dichotomies that, that I've been taught. I am an NFL agent, or I was an NFL agent, I should say, for a little over 14 years. <clears throat> and during that period of time, I represented a lot of different athletes, and one of which was a gentleman named Xavier Dye. He came out in, I think, 2011, played at Clemson, was a wide receiver. And I went to a, um, a meeting that uh, one of his mentors, a guy named Tony Eubanks, he was giving a talk. And Tony, if y'all have ever met Tony, is an interesting guy. He's a uh, you know, former pro basketball player fired up about the, the, the Lord, and he starts talking about, you know, some of us are fleshly beings, and some of us are spiritual beings. You know, some of us are walking in the Spirit, and some of us are walking in the flesh. And I had never really heard it quite put the way he did, but it resonated, re- resonated with me. And of course, if you look at Galatians 25, it says, if we live in the Spirit, then let us walk in the Spirit. And if you go back to verse 16, he says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another. So you do not do the things that you wish. And so in my own experience, um, as we get closer to the, the Lord, we start making room for uh, the Lord. Then we start... I think the first one of these, love, is the first one that comes to us. And, of course, if you're like me, when I was growing up, I I thought a lot lot more about myself, not necessarily loving myself, but I was much more self-absorbed. And, really, loving God, I didn't necessarily love God, and I didn't even know what it was like to be loved by God. And so, this first fruit of the Spirit, love, in and of itself, you know is where it all starts. And so what I've learned is that God does love you. He loves all of us. You know, we're a special creation. He created us and and uh, and he has that love for us. And then once you try to accept that love, then you start, you know, of course, the Bible tells us we love Him because He first loved us. We start having love for him, and then love for others. and uh, And so I would encourage us, hey, Let's get to know ourselves. Let's get to know ourselves through our designer. We have a design. We have a designer. And these uh, fruits, it's like a fountain. So you get love, and then that spirit spills over to joy. And Hebrews 12. He, Hebrews 12 is packed with some great, I think, guidance for us in this, in this arena, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. And of course, everybody's familiar with this, I'm sure, passage. He talks about Abraham and Noah and how they had faith and what great faith that was. And of course, sometimes my wife's getting on to me about certain things that I feel like God's leading me to do, and, and it's very different than perhaps what she would lead me to do. And uh, I start laughing, and I'm like, you know what? I bet Noah got an earful building a boat in his front yard for 60 years. I mean, you know, that's a lot, but, uh, but you, you start thinking about, well, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, what does that mean? We're surrounded by Noah and Abraham, and I started to, to realize, or at least I believe, that, that that is, in fact, the case. We are surrounded by, this is not just a material world, what we're seeing is really very small part of what's actually going on around us, right? This spiritual world versus the fleshly world. And so I believe if this verse is telling us what I, it seems like, and maybe, you know, uh, people can enlighten me, <clears throat> but hey, perhaps they're even watching us right now. And so let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, Let us just lay it aside and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So the author of Hebrews is encouraging us, hey, we're not alone. Set aside what's snaring you and slowing you down. And then, of course, in two, look under Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, which as in my faith journey, as I got to know Jesus, and of course there was at some point in my life where I had been around so many different people that were smart and, you know, you're an idiot if you believe in Jesus. How can you believe in Jesus? How could it be the only way? You know, I felt like I had a relationship with God. I had asked Jesus into my life as a young boy, but hey, what did that really mean? And so I was like, I think there's no doubt that there's a God, but, you know, I'm not sure about Jesus. And so that's where I believe, you know, I went on an honest search for the truth. David Martin was, was one of the, my mentors in this regard. And he said, you just need to be on an honest search for the truth. And I remember riding my bicycle down a street. And I saw on the church sign, Jesus is alive. And really, for the first time, it was like Jesus said, I am alive, David. And I was like, wow, you know. That is exciting. That's an exciting concept that the God of the universe, who came and became a man and died for me, is alive and accessible right here while I'm riding this bike. Crazy. And then I remember reading this Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. And I'm like, wait a minute. He's an author, he's writing a story, he's writing a story about me and my faith. And then, of course, you start having that dialogue with him and think about all the nuances that, you know. And, of course, Sam Hunter, again, another guy, said, do you think Jesus likes you? And, uh, you know, I, I didn't think Jesus liked me. Hey, it was hard to like myself. I could see he could love me, but he liked me? Uh, I don't know. But he said, Jesus likes you. He doesn't only love you, he likes you. And, uh, and so I said, all right. And so, I wonder what he likes about me. And, of course, this verse helped me have a conversation with Jesus. And he's like, you don't think I know all this stuff about you, these nuances about you? I created you. And, 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 you know, I can't wait to show you what's going to happen next. And so, he is the author and finisher of our faith. And who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down on the right hand of the throne, uh, throne of the God. So, you know, this story of our faith, why is it important? Why is it important? Hebrews eleven six. 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So this concept that he's the finisher of our faith is extremely important because that's how we please him, right? So why do we want to please God? Why do we care? Well, I want to please him because he loves me, he's good to me. And uh, because I love him, I trust him, I respect and appreciate him. These are all things that, uh, <clears throat> you know, have, have come from him. But by virtue of me uh, seeking him, I have learned to have a real relationship with my creator. And, hey, you know what? I want to please God. Dale Carnegie, I think all of us probably remember Dale Carnegie, he says, the deepest principle in human nature is the craving to be appreciated. And I say, hey, if we're made in God's image, then probably he, like us, wants to be appreciated. And I appreciate him. I'm trying to let him, you know, know I appreciate him. And, uh, and of course, uh, Sam Hunter's got this ministry. It's called 721 Ministries. So I've included tonight Matthew 7, 21 through 23 that I think uh, really changed my sort of perspective on things. You know, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in the day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name? Have we not gone to the generation's home and worked in your name? And I will declare to them, quote, I never, K-N-E-W, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I never knew you. How many of you would say, Jesus knows me? I hear you. That's great. You know, so that's where Sam challenged me, you know, get to know God. Get to know Jesus. Jesus. Let him know you and get to know yourself through him, you know. And so, and so it goes, you know, hey, I'm going to try to get to know you, Jesus. I'm going to try to get to invest in you. And so this race that we're running, if you're into racing, what does that indicate? It's a competition, Right. And so, if there's a competition out here, what does that mean? You want to win, okay? And there's some competition, right? There's other people, but who is our competition? Satan. And ourselves. I think it's ourselves and it's Satan, and Satan sometimes will get ourselves competing against us. But John 10:10. Jesus said the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. And so as I encourage everybody, I also want to remind us that we have an enemy. And of course, one of the things that, that uh, I remember David Martin, I was at a, just a luncheon kind of like this, and I was sharing with him sort of some of the thoughts that were coming to my head about myself that were negative, that weren't good. And... Uh, and he said, you know, that's not God talking to you. And I said, what'd you say? He said, that's not God talking to you. And I about just started crying when I realized what he was saying. And that these thoughts into my head aren't coming from God that are trying to discourage me, that are trying to distract me, that are trying to destroy me. And, uh, and so you start thinking about this, this concept of having an enemy and the thief and the deceiver and, and, and understanding, you know, well, wait a minute, this is my competition. I need to be a little more aware of this because I'm getting my head boxed in. I didn't have any idea I'm dealing with this jack wagon and he's in my head and I'm buying into these lies. You know, Ephesians 6.12 has a laundry list about this, but 6.12 talks about, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And, of course, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in that day, having done all to stand. And, uh, and of course, James 4, 7, 8, I therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Um, And then, of course, you you start learning about the spiritual world. And really, in life, I mean, I practice law. I run a nonprofit. I've dealt with a lot of uh, startup businesses, entrepreneurial businesses. I've made my share in the laundry list of mistakes and uh, have a lot of failures. And so I've learned, um, you know, what it's like to be in challenging situations. And oftentimes, it looks like things are going to happen that don't. Sometimes it's going to happen good. Sometimes it looks like I'm about to hit that wall right there. And uh, But, you, you know, this thing called faith that we're talking about, you continue to say, all right, well, I'm going to trust and obey. Those little uh, Sunday school songs that we used to sing, trust and obey because there's no other way, you know. It's like, well, that's really all I've got at this point because, you know, I'm on the grind. And so this... 1 John 4, 2 through 4, by this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And so that... Is an important part of when I think about God and who God is and fighting this spiritual battle. It's important for me to remember that I do have God in me, this God, this triunion, Trinity. I'm not going to try to explain that to you, um, but I will say that the Holy Spirit I have become uh, intimate with is a person, has a personality, and uh, is extremely powerful. And so, when I think about these sort of go-to plays that my competition, David Martin and those guys talked about the three Ds. So the uh, devil tends to have the same playbook, and it works like a charm, to distract us, to discourage us, and then, of course, to destroy us. Cannot destroy us if we have accepted Christ and been sealed, but up and until that point can destroy us. But once we become um, committed and sealed with that Holy Spirit in our belief in Jesus, then he's going to try to distract us and distra- discourage us. And um, and I think remembering that we have an enemy is important. And, of course, keeping your eyes focused on the master. The other uh, great play that he runs that works like a charm is divide and conquer. And, of course, the enemy, and it was hard for me to understand because I try to be nice to everybody. I try not to make enemies. I have, uh, you know, made some enemies over the years, but I didn't realize that the devil just hates you guys, hates me because we are believers or potentially believers because we've been created. He hates the person that created us, and so he's going to try to divide and conquer us. Hates marriage, divide and conquer. Hates churches, I know y'all never have any disagreements amongst yourselves, but in a lot of churches, that happens. You know, let's divide and conquer. Let's do, create some dissension amongst these brethren, and let's get them fighting amongst themselves because they're going to be looking like, you know, that's that's going to hurt their witness. That's going to mess them up. Friends, communities, businesses, families. So that's the enemy, and those are two go-to plays. So when you start getting upset at your brother, your friend, community, understand that that you're not warned against flesh and blood. That's not what you're wrestling against. And that person, whether or not they know it, might not be being led by the Spirit, and you might not. So uh, the August 5th, everybody familiar with Oswald Chambers? He's written a book, uh, a devotional book, My Utmost for His Highest. Um, the August 5th one talks about God called Jesus Christ to what seemed to be an absolute disaster. I mean, you think about it. Jesus called his disciples to see him put to death, leading every one of them to the place where their hearts were broken. I mean, if you think about us trying to follow Jesus and we, that's what happens to him before we know the rest of the story, I mean, does that look like failure? What seemed to be failure from man's standpoint was a triumph from God's standpoint, because God's purpose is never the same as man's. The call of God can only be perceived and understood internally by our true inner nature. No one hears it except that one who is being called. So it seems to me that everybody in here is on that path. I can feel the Holy Spirit in here. I have, certainly know some of you, and uh, so you know each one of us has a calling those of you that know it and are on it you know i'm here to encourage you and perhaps some of here have heard the call or haven't recognized the call and for those of you that perhaps haven't heard your call or maybe have been ignoring that call i'd encourage you to open up and look to see you know oswald goes on to say his call is simply to be his friend to accomplish his own purpose The things that happen do not happen by chance, they happen entirely by the decree of God. God is sovereignly working out his own purpose. Again, this concept of a God-saturated life. God is in control, and this is I think a key, at least for me, Oswald says, if we have a purpose of our own, and that's where I always find myself, it's like you get that purpose of your own, it destroys the simplicity, and the calm, relaxed pace which should be characteristic of the children of God. So those of us in here that are children of God, how many would describe you of having a calm, relaxed pace? I don't think a lot of people would describe me like that, although I'm trying. But the key, I think, what Oswald talks about is that we have this this call And that if we are trusting in God and we are following God and we are trying to be his friend and fulfill his purpose, not the purpose of our own, then we can have that calm, relaxed pace. But, like me, when things start looking like they're going a different direction than I want, I find myself at 10 and 2, you know. I'm up there trying to, and it stresses me out, and it causes me to stress out everybody around me. It ruins that calm, relaxed pace. So... You know, how do we do it? How do we live in the kingdom? How do we live in God's power? What are his roles and ways? Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So he's working in us. Okay, that's great. This is another, this will clear it up for you. Matthew 6.33. I'm sure most people uh, know this one if you go to my Twitter. This is on my Twitter, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. I remember having lunch with David Martin several years back, and I said, what does that mean, to seek first the kingdom of God? What does that mean? What does it mean to be righteous? And uh, I don't know, he didn't give me a lot of good uh, direction on that, but that's exactly what I have tried to do and, 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 you know, that kingdom of God every day. You get up and you say, I'm going to seek the kingdom of God. And, and all these things, all these things are when you, when you look up at six, I don't know if anybody ever worries, but I've had my share of worrying. And so I go into the Bible and try to figure out why not to worry or how not to worry. And, you know, Matthew 6 talks about don't worry what you're going to put on or what you're going to wear and all that kind of stuff. And then this is the culmination. culmination is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that you're worried about will be added to you. Now, the kingdom of God, Luke 17, 20 through 21. Now, when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, this he being Jesus, obviously, he answered them and said, quote, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. Nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. And then, of course, Psalms 37:4, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. How many of us have ever started following Jesus? Perhaps down a path that we didn't think of, but we knew he, we were being called down that way. So we go ahead and we're, we're obedient to that call. And, uh, and then we find ourselves being delighted in something that we'd never thought about. This desire of our heart that we would have never found had it not been for Jesus leading us down that road. You know, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That's where I started realizing I don't even know what the desires of my heart are. I didn't design myself. You know, this is so cool. I mean, it is very encouraging. Um. And it is, you know, we are living eternally right now. We're already into eternal life. This is phase one. Um, but phase two is going to have to be unbelievable. But phase one, you know, this is not our home. We live in a fallen world. And, uh, and I love seeing you guys here on a Monday night wanting to connect Connecting point to come in and bring your fire and you know, spark each other, and uh, it's fantastic. Again, I'm honored to be here. The Lord uh, is the author and finisher of our faith, and oftentimes, I mean, all I can do is press into Him you know, press into Him and say, You know what? I am looking for your purposes. The Holy Spirit each day with these habits that he puts into us. Romans 12 is one of my favorite. I like Romans 12 from top to bottom. When you look at Romans 12 from top to bottom, I'm just going to talk about the first two verses. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, because that's fleshly, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, it's one day at a time. Matthew 6, 34, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles. You know, living in this present moment, that is one thing that uh, I've really learned. And, you know, we talk about, Every year, having a word that uh, we can adopt to try to help us with our walk with God. And, you know, being present was mine last year because oftentimes I'm worried about what I did in the past. Made plenty of mistakes. Sometimes I get hammered over the head. You're, you know, this, that, and the other. Or I'm worried about what's going to happen tomorrow. And then what's happening right now where I'm here with you guys, the only place I can live is in this present moment. I'm not living. And, and, and so my enemy has got me down. And, uh, and so I'm pushing back against that. You know, I find that joy. It's like a fountain. Love, joy, peace, patience. The, 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 the fruits of the Spirit, a lot of us might not even want them. You know, discipline. I doubt that a lot of us jump up every morning and say, you know what? That's what I need, a bunch of discipline. Um, although, uh, it, it, does, it does grow on you. And so, um, one of the things Sam taught me is that busyness is one of the, the uh, you know, when we talk to, to men, we get together with each other. You know, what have you been up to? Oh, man, I'm busy. Aren't you busy? Yeah, I'm busy. We're busy. We're very busy. It's like a badge of honor to be busy. And and certainly nothing wrong with being busy, but oftentimes that busyness is keeping us from listening to Jesus. It's keeping us from maybe spending some time with our wives or our kids or whoever it might be, our brothers. And so we we've got our own agendas. I was in a Bible study with Tony Dungy, and uh, he he signed a little. Uh, I had one of my clients, is Nick Eason, he's an he's a NFL coach, and uh, I was trying to get Tony to help shepherd Nick to, you know, he's a very sharp young man that uh, I believe has the ability to be an NFL head coach one day. He's African-American. Tony's the guy that's kind of the um, shepherd of that uh, group of men, and so a friend of mine invited me to come to uh, the NFL Combine, and hear Tony speak. And when I told him about Nick, he said, "Come on in here." And and uh, and, and and we went to a Bible study. and It was really cool. You had uh, you know Mike Tomlin and uh, a lot of the guys from. Really, they were all connected initially, kind of like you guys in a men's group with the uh, Minnesota Vikings. And uh, you know, one of the verses that when he signed a, an autograph for a friend of mine, he wrote this: Mark 8:36. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? And, uh, man, it was pretty heavy duty. And, of course, when it comes from someone like Coach Dungeon, you're like, man, what is this verse? What has he giving me? And, if, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that, but it really came to life with me. You know, what is that? All this stuff, money, the earth, the world, you know, it's what everybody tells you you're supposed to be getting. But... What's that going to profit you? I just got a text right before I started here that um, one of the coaches that uh, helped me start the South Carolina All-Star Bowl, he just passed away today. And uh, so, you know, I, I'm not worried about where he is because I believe he's in glory. He was a believer. We had a lot of conversations about it. But I just got that text right before I got up here. And, uh, you know, he's on, he's on the other side of eternity from us. So... Um, And I'm sure he's glad that he, you know, didn't go out chasing. So, you know, don't let the thief steal your joy. This world is difficult. And uh, it's very easy for us to, you know, a lot of people get mad at me, used to get mad at me because I wouldn't be upset despite the circumstances. And sometimes people want to get you upset. And I'm saying, don't let them do it. Don't let them steal your joy. Stick close to the one that finishes your faith. Finish means to bring something to completion, to complete. So if Jesus is the author and the finisher, then it's his job. You just have to let him do it, right? Let's go back to 12.2 one more time. Finishers of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What was that joy about? What was the joy set before Jesus to endure the cross? It was a relationship with you. That's his joy. Don't let him steal it from you. The discipline we talked about earlier. Any dads in here? Sons? Granddads? So Jesus had a relationship with his father. He's a personal God. You know, us humans, we're relational. Hebrews twelve three for consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary, discouraged in your souls, which has been good for me because every time I feel like this isn't fair, I'm having to do a lot of things that I really shouldn't have to be doing. You're... Asking a lot of me, I go back and think about this. Don't get discouraged because you start thinking about, hey, I guess I didn't get spit on and beat down and crushed and nailed to a cross and killed and I didn't do anything. So you have not resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. No, I haven't. And of course, Sam says, when you think about sin and you see sin in the Bible, replace that with self. And, uh, and that's been very good for me. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. Quote, my son, and this is, of course, uh, Hebrews is quoting Proverbs three eleven through 12. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. So if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them. Some fathers maybe more than a few days. But I still respect you for it, Pop. (laughs) But he for our own profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful nevertheless afterwards, for it yields the, quote, peaceable fruit of righteousness. There's that fruit to those who have been trained by it. Life abundant. James 4.10, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. And humility, gentlemen, as I've come to learn, doesn't mean thinking of ourselves, thinking, more, thinking less of ourselves. It means thinking of ourselves less. John 10 10, we talked about it earlier, talked about the thief. Jesus talked about why he came. He says, I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. That Sam Hunter talks to us all the time about the A plus abundant life. He says, guys, Most of the people that we see running around are having a C life at best, maybe a B. We want you to have an A plus, an abundant life. We find our joy in the here and now. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. What is your calling? What is Jesus calling you to do You are each uniquely designed, and only you can fulfill your calling. Connecting point, we are the body of Christ. We are the kingdom. Let us love our enemies. Let us be good to those that persecute us. Let us invite the chastening of our Lord, seeking him, his glory, his kingdom, his righteousness. Then he will give us the desires of our heart. Thank you very much. What a powerful message. If you were encouraged by this message, you can learn more about men's ministry and other adult ministries at Berkwood by visiting berkwoodchurchorg forward slash adults or on the Berkwood Church app. Thanks for listening and have a great week.